When I think of the new year, I, I, this scripture just rolls through my spirit. So we want to look at it today and break it apart just a little bit. I'm excited about this year. This year actually is my 40th year in ministry and forced preaching. I preached my first sermon at, uh, when I was a child <laughs> uh, in 1977. And it was uh, January the 1st, 1977, and the, name, the message was Closer to Heaven in 77. And I believe if we were close then, we we're really close now. Amen. So throughout this whole year, we're, I'm going to celebrate. And, you know, 40 is a, a cool number. It really talks about, you know, as you come out of something that, that uh, now there's new beginnings after that. You know, Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, and after that he went into ministry. We know that uh, there was 40 years that the, the Israelites were in, wandered through the wilderness, and they came out into the promised land. So I'm believing for a coming out party for our church. Amen. I, I'm, I'm looking for a, a new step, a newness uh, in, uh, in this year, especially 2017, which is a year that that no, 17 is a number of complete victory. So I'm expecting some great things this year. I'm excited about it and uh, looking forward to it. We'll be talking a little bit more about that as we go on. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's a mandate for us this year. Every day that you get up, this ought to be a guiding scripture for you to be careful how you live. Be concerned, not, uh, not fearful, but uh, cautious in the sense of not wasting time, not just kind of sleeping through and sleepwalking through life, but paying attention and being careful not to fall prey to certain things and, uh, and moving forward. And he says uh, that you live not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. A couple of years ago, uh, Neil McDowell caught me out in the, in the foyer and he said, hey, I got something to show you. And he turned his phone on and a YouTube video and here was a woman by the name of Sweet Brown. Sweet Brown. She's from Oklahoma City. And in uh, April the 7th, 2012, there was a fire at the apartment complex where she lived. And uh, one person was taken to the hospital. Five units were uh, destroyed. And they, uh, KFOR, Channel 4 of Oklahoma City, came out, was on the scene, the news channel, and they interviewed her. And now then on YouTube, there's close to 60 million views of Sweet Brown. <laughs> and uh, they've changed the thing. They've remixed it. But her thing was, first thing she said that about the smoke and all the smoke coming around, and she said, I got bronchitis. And ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. And so they kind of clipped it where it just kept running on. And said, ain't nobody got time for that. And that kept running through my mind. I thought, that's what I'm going to title my message this morning. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> this year, we don't got time for the devil messing around with us. We've got things to do. God's got something for us to do. We're walking into victory. And as we walk and proceed into victory, let me tell you something. Satan, who walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, he's going to try to bring havoc and, and upset us. But ain't nobody got time for that. If you're a believer, you don't got time for that at all. Um, so in this scripture, as we kind of unpack it just a little bit, as I said a while ago, when, when the Apostle Paul says, be very careful and walk circumspectly, be very careful, be alert, um, 
you know, watch out where you're walking because Satan is laying traps for us. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He goes on, then he comes to the part where it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That, the thought through there was a concept of lead us. Lead us as we go on through temptation, that we don't fall into temptation, but we come on through it. That we're, that we're following you. And, and, you know, temptation is going to come our way. Trials, tribulations are going to come our way. But we don't have to fall into it. And so we need to walk very carefully. Be careful that you discern what the enemy is throwing at you and what, you know, what life is throwing at you and what you need to do. We need to have an understanding of God's Word, His principles, who He is. Be alert to the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, so that when we come up against those things, that we don't fall victim to those things. Because ain't nobody got time for that. We've got too much to do this year to fall prey to what Satan has laid out for us. When he talks about this, really it gives the thought, though, that, that we ought to understand that our days are precious. Time is very precious. You know, we only have so much of it. You can't ever get it back as soon as it's gone by. Each second that ticks off, you know, you can't get that back. Every minute that ticks off, you can't get it back. The psalmist wrote, in the 39th Psalm, verse 4, he says, Show me, O Lord, my life's end. Show me my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. Let me know, let me realize how fleeting my life is. It's just passing away. Some of you that are maybe over 50 and going on, maybe you look back and say, Wow, you know, like that old song says, Don't blink. It goes pretty fast, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I couldn't believe 40 years in the ministry. It's just amazing. As you look back at it, it just goes so fast. Some of you that are younger, you might think, wow, you know, 40. Because I never thought that I'd live to 40. I, you know, I was expecting Jesus to come in 1977 when I, first, that, when I preached that message. I didn't know if I'd make it through that message before Jesus came. Now, I, I want to be ready. Every day we need to be ready. So we need to walk carefully. Uh, be very careful how you live. You know, uh, not as unwise, but as wise. Is what he's telling us, and, and that we need to be alert, wise to the things of God, his principles. So the psalmist is saying, show me, O Lord, my life's end and the, and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. He goes on to say in the 90th Psalm, verse 10, it says, the length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. And he goes on to say, they quickly pass and fly away. Wow. They quickly pass and fly away. Um, a few years back, I think it, one of, a, a magazine came out, a news magazine came out about this new um, clock that was out. It's called Dead Ahead. And this was a countdown. And what you could do is you could put in your, um, your age and, you know, if you're male or female, put that in, enter it in. And it would calculate that said that the average lifespan of a male is 75 years and a woman is like 80-something. And so then it would give you a countdown of how many days left you had. Sold for $99.99. I didn't buy one. <laughs> but I figured up, in fact, I figured up just the other day, I got, uh, see, 4,745 days left to 75, which is seems like a long time, but yet they're passing by. You know, we've already, uh, and, and, you know, we're counting off hours. You know, we're already eight days into this new year. Isn't that amazing? 
How many do you think that 2015, or 2016, yeah, 2015 went real fast, and 2016 was so fast we missed it between the... <laughs> how many of you think that it went pretty fast? It was pretty turbulent. You know, it's been pretty turbulent the last few years, but these years just go by so fast. And the psalmist is saying, help me realize how fleeting my life really is. We need to be careful. We need to live carefully um, and not to waste time. One person said, man, just think of how much time I would have had if I hadn't spent all that time on those video games. <laughs> you know, time is relative. It's a perspective. You know, to a couple of teenagers in love, sitting out in the car talking for an hour or two might be like a blink of an eye, but to mom and dad, it's like an eternity, you know? <laughs> I mean, uh, time. Sometimes, you know, when you're going through something, it just seems like it just takes forever, but other times it's just, it just passes by so fast. When we're looking forward to a, to a certain time, you've scheduled something, you know, and maybe you're looking forward to marriage or something like that. Maybe it seems like it takes so long, but all of a sudden it's here, and then boom, it's gone. It passes by. And so he says, not as unwise, but as wise. We need the wisdom of God. And from what his word says, you ought to read a proverb a day. That'll keep the devil away. <laughs> a proverb, it, he talks about wisdom and, and gaining wisdom and how to have wisdom in our life and what to do in our everyday life. Be careful. We need to be careful how we're spending these days that we have left. Nobody, but, you know, the real thing is nobody has a promise of tomorrow. We really don't. You know, I mean, it, in Hebrews it said, it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. So there's an appointed time. We don't know when that is. Uh, and so we don't really have the promise of tomorrow. We need to be very careful how we're living and be prepared that if, you know, this day ends, this life ends, that we're ready to go. But if it doesn't, then we need to be preparing for, you know, what's ahead, for the kingdom of God. Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. Wow, what a deal. And then he goes on to say, make making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Truly, we're living in some evil days, and we see some things, you know, we're removed from the suffering that Christians are going through in Syria and some of those areas, some of those countries of where Christianity first spread, you know, when it was just being birthed. It went through these countries, and uh, believers there are being persecuted, killed for their faith. We're kind of removed from that. We see it occasionally on the news, but... You know, uh, it, it, in that type of situation, you know, you count every second, you count every minute, you count every day as something that's precious. I read a story one time about uh, this young man. He was a, a soldier, and he came home, and this guy went to pick him up at the airport. And so they're going through the airport, and this guy's walking, you know, because you got to walk, we got to get to where we're going. And he looked back, kept looking back, and this, the soldier hit, Oh, they were talking to somebody. He was helping this one elderly lady get into her wheelchair so that she could be pushed down to the gate for her, her flight. And then, again, he was walking, and all of a sudden, the guy, the soldier wasn't with him. He looked back. He was talking to some little kids, you know, and helping them. They were getting ready to, uh, their father was leaving, and they were kind of crying. He was helping to comfort them. And so every, as they're going through the airport, this, this guy's stopping every, every, everywhere. So he finally says, man, what's up? He said, you know, my, my job in the military was, uh, I, I'm on the, I was on the bomb squad, and we had to go out and, to, and find landmines and, and to, you know, to uh, get those where that, you know, nobody else would, uh, it wouldn't endanger any of our soldiers. And he said, you know, every step 
is uh, very cautious. He says, you learn to live between the footsteps or something like that. And so, you know, to him as he was going through, hey, I didn't take this opportunity to help this lady because I might not have that opportunity again. He learned to live that you don't know what your next step's going to be. That might be the end. But, you know, if we could learn that in a sense, maybe not, not so fearful, but, but appreciative of the life that we have. Because I think that we just blow through life and we miss those that are around us. We miss opportunities that God has for us to help people. Many of you know me, I, I kind of, I walk fast, and I'm like, I set a goal, I'm gone, you know, and except on the Harley, I'm kind of laid back on that, I'm, you know, that's just a whole different mindset, but I have to constantly remind myself, you know, I'm, one time, it was kind of like that when we were doing some stuff down in, in Galveston, helping with um, the houses that had been uh, with, with the flood and, and the, the storm that came through, and I ran in McDonald's, and I was getting some stuff. And as I was going in, kind of out of the corner of my eye, I saw a guy sitting there on the sidewalk, leaning up against the, the, the wall, and didn't think much about it. I knew, you know, it, you process it, even though you just get, get a glimpse of it, that he was probably homeless, and, you know, he just was just sitting there just chilling. I run in and get all my stuff, and, and I'm hurrying up because I got to get back and get whatever I'm doing, get it done, and all this. And as I come back by, I, you know, <clears throat> see him there, and and, uh, and I thought, oh, I, I forgot, I got to go get, I gotta get some more stuff. I run back in, and as I'm going back in, I thought, you know, wait a minute. Maybe he needs a, a breakfast sandwich or something. You're just running on, on a run. Why don't you stop and see if you can help him and help him in his needs? And so I'm sitting there waiting to get the, the next part of the order. And when they did, uh, I, I, as I went out, I was going to talk to him. And, and I went outside, and he was gone. And then I felt so bad. I thought, wow. I missed that. The Holy Spirit was prompting me, but I was so set on what I'm doing that I just walked by him because, you know, I didn't have time. Ain't nobody got time for that. I got, I got things to do. I, you know, I got to do what I got to do. I got to hurry and get back to that where all those workers are and, and, and get this stuff to them. But, you know, man, that really stuck with me. And I thought, Lord, help me not to miss opportunities like that. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You just kind of catch a glimpse, and, and there's just that little small prompting that you think, maybe I should do something, but then here's all this other information that's coming into your mind about what you got to do and what you got to do. Boy, we need to be like that soldier that says, you know what, I'm living life between each footstep, between each step that I take in life. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. I guarantee you that Satan's going to send you some opportunities. He will put opportunities in your pathway to steal your time, to destroy your testimony, to hold you back, to, to do whatever he can to keep you from doing what God has for you to do. He'll, he'll put opportunities in front of you and their temptations and, and various things like that to get you to get your attention that you fall into those things, to waste your time doing those things rather than spending your time for the kingdom of God. Wow. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We're living in some days that we can't afford to waste any time, people. We really can't. Um, you know, as Jesus said, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You better believe that Satan is out there, and he has a plan for your life. We always hear that God's got a plan for your life. Well, Satan has a plan for your life. 
And he's working on assignments and opportunities to put into your pathway to slow you down, to distract you, to pull you over, to pull you aside so that you can you, you pull you off of the path that God has for you. But we need to make the most of every opportunity. We need to look for the opportunities that God gives to us. Having that type of focus, and people, that takes a mindset that says, that, that is surrendered to God every day saying, Holy Spirit, lead me. I want to walk in the Spirit today. That doesn't mean that you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. It means that you're in tune with what's going on around you here on the earth as you live this life and that you watch for those opportunities for that divine moment to impart something that God would have you to impart. Then he will bring your path right into the path of somebody else. Wow. And if you'll just take that opportunity, just that second to do something like that. As I look back, when, when you know that you did it, it's like, yes, man, I'm so glad I did that. And those other things aren't so important anymore. That time schedule, that whatever it was, that's just not quite as important as it was. In Luke chapter 10 and verses 40 through 42, Jesus, they're, they're telling the story about when Jesus stopped by to visit uh, Martha and Mary and Lazarus. He went to their home. And so he was in the, let's say, the, the living room, and he was in there teaching. And uh, Mary was there and listening, and different ones were around. And Martha's in the kitchen trying to get everything ready because her house is full. Everybody's come over to, to their house to see Jesus, you know. And uh, she's in there, and she's scurrying around trying to get all this stuff done and try to take care of all these people that come to the house. And she's just, just, Oh, man, she's just overwhelmed. And she goes to Jesus, and she says, you know, Lord, don't you care that, uh, you know, I'm doing all this stuff? And, and Mary's just sitting there at your feet, basically is what she's saying. I'm paraphrasing that, you know. I mean, she was mad that Mary wasn't helping her get all this stuff done. And she says, you know, Lord, won't you tell, tell her to come and help me. That's what she said, tell her to come and help me. And, and Jesus says, Martha, Martha, <laughs> you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And he says, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will, be not, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary's chosen what's better. You know, sometimes we just have to let those things go and realize that, hey, Jesus is in the living room. <laughs> Jesus is right here. You know, that, here's an opportunity for me to sit at his feet. I'm sure after he was gone that Martha might look back and thought, oh, man, so many times I had an opportunity to just be by him and sit and listen to him teach, but I didn't because I thought I needed to get this done. I thought this was more important. You know, you're here today because you said, you know what, Lord, it's important for me to, to tell you that you're so important that I'm going to take some time out of my day to go to church on Sunday and to hear what you have to say. You know what he's saying? Hey, good job. You found the one thing that really matters that can't be taken away from you. You know, this will last for eternity. You know, we don't always have the opportunity. You know, we really don't. And so, you know, you just never know. Um, even that person sitting next to you, you never know what their time is. I look back over, you know, our 29 years of Light Christian Center. We'll be celebrating 29 years. Next year will be 30 years of this church. And um, I think of those that have gone on before us, you know. I think of little Jenny Alvarado that we lost just was that in 2015, or, you know, that she helped around here so much? And who would have thought that, you know, we just, you know, there's always something going on. Who would have thought that, you know, hey, that, that next week she was gone. She's taken away. We just never know. 
I mean, sometimes, you know, there's those that are sick and there's a prolonged illness and maybe, you know, we're, you know, anticipating that end. But there's a lot of times that we don't know what's going to happen to that person next to us. So, you know, Mary, uh, Martha wasn't really committing any sin, so to speak. I mean, she wasn't doing bad things, you know. She wasn't, you know, out, she wasn't at the casino <laughs> or, or she wasn't, you know, having an affair someplace or in the bar or whatever. But she was in there doing good. And since she was fixing stuff, trying to be, you know, provide hospitality for those that had come to her house. But the thing was that even those good things, you know, was taken away from the opportunity that God had placed there. So here, all that to say, it can be some bad things. It can be sin that uh, comes and steals your time, that Satan throws you. But it can also be some things that you don't think so bad. There's a lot of times, well, you know, well, I, I can't go to church today because I need to mow the grass. I need to try out that fishing motor. I need to try out my golf club. And we have more here today because it's so cold nobody can go do anything. <laughs> but... You know, sometimes we think, we think, we take for granted that it's always going to be here. I can always do that. And so then we kind of put other things around. And, and you know, it's kind of like saying, God, we're going to put, you're, you know, uh, just, just wait, God. I got these other things to do. This thing is more important than you. Wow. Well, when you come to church, you set the time apart. What you're saying is there's nothing more important to me than doing this. And I come to give myself to you. And then throughout the week, as you start your day off with prayer, the very first thing that you, the first person you need to talk to in the morning is God. Somebody said, well, I would if she wouldn't bother me so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to say, good morning, Lord. Not good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> we had one of those nights. But you need to talk to him and say, you know, Lord, I'm yours. Like we were singing in that song. I'm yours. Today, I'm yours. I've got some things i got to get done. But even that, as you plan out your day, you ought to do it through prayer. Is that really important? Where can I put that? And some things that might not seem so important really might be important because it might really mean something to somebody else. So we need to evaluate those things, making the most of every opportunity, every opportunity. The days are evil. We really don't know how many more days we have on the face of this earth. We really don't. You know, I think there's, uh, is it 8,760 hours in a, in a year? And up till today, we've spent about 168 of those hours already. They're clicking away. And, you know, it just keeps clicking away. What is really important? And so some of this, as Paul says this, you know, making the most of every opportunity is we need to get our priorities straight. We really need to say, what is important? The Bible says that, the great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So we need to start that off. You know what? What's most important is my relationship with God. And I can tell you, if your relationship with God is in good shape, then your relationship with your wife, your relationship with your kids, or your husband, ladies, or your, with your spouse, or your kids, with those that you work with, with those people that you come in contact with, they're going to be all right too. Why? Because you're going to be different. You're going to be different. We always want God to change the people around us, right? <laughs> oh, Lord, you know, what would you give me that husband for? 
If I had a husband like so-and-so, or if I had a wife like so-and-so, or, or if I worked with this person, or if I lived somewhere, you know, there's always, something's always better. You know what, we need to, how about you changing? <laughs> you know, I can't change anybody but me. So if I change and let God change me, maybe everybody else won't be so bad. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? This um, Dr. Richard Swinson, he wrote a book on uh, what he says is, is you know, one of the most important things. It's, it's about anxiety and stress, and what he terms it, he, he calls it overload. And boy, that's right. You know, he says that basically we're overloaded on our commitments. We make so many commitments, we're just overloaded on too many commitments. And we're overloaded on possessions. <laughs> we have more stuff than what we really need, right? And we have so much that can't even get any more in the garage or the attic, so now we have to have storage units, <laughs> you know. And so we're overloaded on, on possessions, and then we're overloaded on, um, you know, work. At work, we've got to work overtime to pay for all the stuff that we thought we had to have on all those possessions and stuff, right? And, uh, but, but we don't have much time to do that because we've got so many commitments. So now we're, we're facing overload, overload, and then... In what we think is our spare time, we got, we're in an information overload age that now we've got so much information that we can't, can't get enough of it. We've got to find out more about this and that. And so it's like there's no end to it. We're just functioning on overload. Wow. We need to be very careful how we live. Not as unwise, but as wise. You wake up one day and you just be so overloaded that you don't care about anything. And we can't have that. In Hebrews, it says, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race course marked out for us. We've got to lay, lay aside some weights. What is it that's holding you back? Do an evaluation. If we're to, to live very carefully, if we're to make the most of every opportunity because these days are evil, then we need to look through and say, you know, what is it here that could hold me back? Evaluate those things and see what's really important, you know, Put God first, and then your family's right there. So as you're putting him first, God first, it's flowing into your, your time with your spouse and with your kids and those that, are, that you love. And so he says all this. He says, the days are evil, and he says, and do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Sometimes, How many times, you know, we pray about the big things. Or we pray when things go wrong, you know, or, or when we get sick, we pray, we ask for prayer. But what about every day? What about, you know, we've got to be very careful how we live, not as unwise but as wise, and we've got to make the most of every opportunity. And he says, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Have you taken an opportunity this year to, to say, Lord, I, I want to discover your will for me this year, this year? Now I was asking God, okay, God. 40 years in the ministry, what little, what, what little extra stuff you got? Man, I was writing some stuff down. I'm excited about it. It, it encouraged me. You know, you spend a little time with the Lord, you come away encouraged as he begins to, to share with you some things. But he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, we know that the, the general will of God is the great commandment and the great commission. I mentioned the great commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So worship is... And when we worship God, that's God's will. It's his will that we worship him, right? I don't have to pray and say, God, uh, is it your will for me to, to, to worship you today? 
You know, no, that's, a, that's a given. That's ongoing. You know, just worship him and live a life of worship for him. And then it says, love your neighbor as yourself. So ministering to other people around me. You know, my, my spouse, my kids, them first. And, you know, and then as I come in contact with people, love your neighbor as yourself. Do you love yourself? Do you feed yourself? Do you clothe yourself? Do you take care of yourself? Well, if you see your, your neighbor, those, somebody that, that needs that, hey, you need to help them with their food or their clothing or the needs that they have. Hello, boy got real quiet now, didn't it? We love our neighbor as ourself. So that's God's will. We don't have to pray real hard about helping somebody out, uh, you know, or ministering in a particular way. And then the Great Commission is uh, going to all the world and preach the gospel and, you know, baptizing those and, and making disciples is what he says. And so we know that evangelism is God's will. I don't have to pray about whether or not I need to evangelize. You know, uh, I remember a good friend of mine, David Shibley, he's, uh, his ministry is evangelism, and he, he trains pastors and ministers all over the world uh, through evangelism. And he said him and a friend uh, had met at the airport. He was flying someplace, and the guy wanted to meet up with him. They were talking, and, and so uh, they were sitting there talking and, and drinking some coffee and chatting now about, about the past and the good old days. And David happened to got up and went over and just saw this guy and asked him if he could sit down by him for a second. And the guy said, sure. And he sat there, and he just witnessed to him right there at the little table there in the uh, little cafe thing in the, in the airport. But it wasn't anything that drew a bunch of attention. It was very subtle. And he come back over, and, and the guy says, did God tell you to go talk to that guy? And he says, well, he didn't tell me not to. <laughs> I mean, you know, part of it, if it's on your heart, you know, you'll be sensitive to things like that. You know, you ought to be sensitive to stuff like that. So you don't have to pray and see if it's God's will for you to evangelize or to, to be ready to share your testimony with somebody or, you know, or to be a light that shines in the darkness. And then, uh, and then fellowship. You know, baptism is the doctrine of identification, is baptizing others, bringing them into the, the, into the church, into the family, into the family, and so identifying with them. And, you know, we need to have fellowship one with another. Fellowship is two fellows in one ship. You got to get in their ship with them. Sometimes there's ships sinking. You need to help them bail some water out, right? It's not. Uh, it's not just always barbecue and and uh, Super Bowl day or something like that. Sometimes that fellowship is. It's like you know where your real friends are is when you stuck out in the rice field somewhere and you're you're stuck and you can't get out and and you call somebody and you know they'll come and help you pull you out, right? That's who your real friend is. That's real fellowship right there, right? And so we're to do that. That's God's will for us to do. We don't have to pray and seek God for some big revelation to do that. And then make disciples. We ought to always be making a disciple, encouraging someone and helping to teach them and train them. That's God's general will for, for all of us. But then there's some specific will, God's specific will for each one of us that's unique to us. And we need to understand what that is. And he doesn't maybe just give it to us all at one, one time. Sometimes it's a little by little that we learn, and he reveals it to us as we're de developing in him, as we, life has lived on levels and arrived at in stages. And as we're in that part, then he begins to reveal a little bit more to you about what his specific will is for you. So, you know, not as foolish, not, uh, but understand what the Lord's will is every day. Have an understanding of that so that it becomes a part of your life. You shouldn't have to, question certain things that that's his given will to do those things Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 Paul says therefore I urge you brothers in the view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, he's talking about more, more specifically, more to this individual, uh, our individual part in God's will or God's will for us individually. And so, you know, we need to give ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. When you give yourself to him, that means I give me, I give my finances, I give my health, I give my talent, I give everything that I am to God. I'm a living sacrifice. I don't just put on part of it and then I keep the rest of it. No, I'm a living sacrifice. It's all me, my talent, my abilities, all that I am. So, you know, when I go out here on my life, I need to live careful. I need to be very careful how I live. So if I'm going out to spend some money, I need to be careful how I spend that money because, wait a minute, you know, that's really God's money. And I've given my life to him I, I, as a living sacrifice. So what's mine is his. And what's his is mine. So I need to be careful. I need to understand what his will is before I go out and make that major purchase or something like that because you know what that can do? That can keep you tied down. How many of you know that? We can get way over our head in debt, and then we can't do anything for God. I remember one time when Sandy and I first got married, uh, she worked for Southwestern Bell in the engineering department, and I worked for Rock Island Railroad, and I was working shift work, and so uh, that's why we didn't have any kids for three years. <laughs> we never saw each other hardly. But man, you know, just starting out when you get married, you don't have anything, right? But boy, we, so we bought new cars. And uh, we were in a townhouse, so, man, we wanted to have our own house. So we built our own house, and we're making good money. I was making really good money. I was a control tower operator, and then I would go out. I had to work uh, other people's jobs, other agents' jobs when they'd take vacation. Some of these guys had six weeks vacation. I'd get their pay. You know, they'd be uh, 55 years old or something, and I got the same pay they got for working their job for that six weeks. I was making all kinds of money. Sandy was making good money. So, man, and so we built a house and got to have new carpet, got to have new furniture, new washer dryer, uh, Kirby vacuum sweeper. You got to have everything, right? And dishes and all this stuff. And before you know it, you got debt. But that's no big deal because, hey, they must have thought we were good for it. They let us have it on credit, right? <laughs> and so I remember God began to deal with me about really, uh, I knew God had a call on my life, but. Uh, I was going to determine when I was going to surrender to that. <laughs> God was really dealing with me about, you know, what I was going to do. You know, was I going to surrender to him or not? And we were going to church, but he was dealing with me more specifically. You know, he knew what he had for me to do, 40 years in ministry or more, but I didn't see that then. And so I remember I got real serious with God, and I was just praying. I said, well, God, you know, I'll, I'll serve you. I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And he said, no, you won't. <laughs> I go, what? Wait a minute. Is that how you're supposed to speak back? I'm serious here. What? He said, no, you won't. I thought, he says, you can't. He said, you can't go anywhere. He said, if I needed you to go to South America right now, because there were some missionaries that we knew down there. Sandy's, my father-in-law was a missionary. He said, I need you to go to South America right now. You couldn't go. You couldn't afford to go. You're so far in debt. You can't afford to take off work. You couldn't go anywhere. I go, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And so the more he began to deal with me about that, I thought, that's true. I never sought him about all these things that, you know, I made these decisions on, and we went, you know, overwhelmingly in debt. But, you know, two years later, when I said, okay, God, forgive me. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't seek your counsel on this. But I want to be, I want to give my life to you. I really do. 
Two years from that date, we were completely out of debt because we had a brand new house, two new cars, all furniture. I mean, think about it. It's a lot of debt, a lot of debt. We were completely out of debt and had money to go into ministry, went into ministry, uh, ended up with a singing group, and we went on the road. And, uh, you know, it was because of God, I began to seek him for wisdom. And I said, you know what, then we need to get out of debt. We need to do everything we can do to get out of debt. And, you know, we started having kids then. As soon as we had, uh, Sandy got pregnant, she stayed home. She didn't go to work. So, you know, our income's cut down almost in half. But God gave us wisdom on how to get out of debt to go into ministry. I, I always tell everybody, I didn't go into ministry for money. We left money to go into ministry. But I got to think, you know, I wasn't living carefully. I wasn't making careful decisions. I'm making whatever type of decisions, you know. And doing what I want to do. And, but we're going to church and, oh, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours, Lord. No, I'm, no, I wasn't. I really wasn't his. I was me. And I was so far in bondage to debt that I couldn't do anything else. That's tough. So he says here, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, his mercy that he doesn't just <laughs> slap us into someplace, into eternity, says uh, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When we give ourselves to him, all that we are, you know, we give our talent to him, we give our finances to him, we give our relationships to him, we give, you know, uh, everything to him, that's a spiritual act of worship. Worship's not just, you know, at 10 o'clock when the music gets just right and, and everything, and then we feel like, oh, yeah, now we're worshiping God. Well, that's a part of worship, but worship ought to be every day. It ought to be 24-7 when we give our, our lives to God. And he says, it's a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Holy and acceptable. I think the King James says, it's pleasing to him when we do that. That's our spiritual act of worship. Wow. And God recognizes that. God blesses that. And he goes on to say in verse 2 there in Romans 12, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. <laughs> you know, I, this from telling that story about when Sandy and I were first married and, you know, all this debt and everything that we had before we, this scripture right here was what, you know, as I began to read that God brought me to this scripture and as I was reading it, I was, okay, yeah, I didn't do that. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Well, everything that I had was because I thought I needed to have it because somebody I worked with, they had that, you know, and, and well, I want one too. <laughs> oh, and I want that too. And, and seem like when you're making all kinds of money, you can afford it and then you don't even think about it anymore. You just get it, Right. Don't raise your hand. You might get jabbed in the ribs, but you know what I'm talking about. If you're not there now, you've been there probably. Maybe some of you haven't. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God said, get rid of your stinking thinking. You know, it's, it's, it's just you've got this, uh, you know, you need your mind renewed because your thoughts are over here. This is what you think is right. This is what you think is good, you know. And, you know, when I thought what I thought I gave up, God always brings back and gives better. You know, when we think that, you know, oh, this is, I don't know, it's such a hard decision. And it's like God doesn't say anything. He just kind of presents these opportunities in front of us. And then we look, and here's Satan's opportunity, and here's God's opportunity. And, you know, Satan usually brings his first it says good and evil uh, travel on parallel tracks, and, and evil usually gets there first. And God just says, you know, here it is. Will we decide on that? Will we make that decision? 
And that's where we have to have an understanding and a surrendered heart, a surrendered life to recognize and say, yes, that's it. I remember as we were getting ready to go into to ministry full-time, boy, I was looking at that, and uh, at this time I had an opportunity to, to go into a construction business. <laughs> if you've been in construction, you might not think that's much of an opportunity, but uh, a couple other guys, we had, were building houses then, and things were going good, making good money. And so the opportunity came up for us to be able to use a, a big warehouse to begin to prefab these houses, and we could, uh, we could build the foundations and stuff and put them on big beams, and, and we could prefab those houses in there, run them through, work three crews, you know, 24 hours a day, and put these houses and take them out and set them on top of a basement. In Kansas, they have basements. Just set them on there and just bang, go. And, man, it, everything looked great. And God had brought his opportunity over here about going into ministry, which is, was nothing, no money, and I'm looking at this, and I'm, boy, that's a big struggle. And so I remember just praying through that, and I thought, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender to you. I'm, I'm going to give that up. And so I did. And I remember we'd been gone off, out on the road and had been uh, gone a couple of weeks and, just, you know, preaching and singing and different things and came back and I turned the television on and had this ad, and it showed, these, it showed this ad, and it showed these houses and the prefab and all this stuff, and the devil saying, see that? That could have been yours. That could have been yours. And I'm going, man, that could have been mine. And I'm thinking, man, things are tight and no money and all this stuff. And looking at this, and that could have been mine. And I thought, well, Lord, if that could have been mine, what was mine, I give it to you. And I just, I said, I trust you. I trust you to su uh, supply all my needs. I trust you with everything I got, you know, my family and, and everything. At that time, now, we had two children. And... Um, so I just kind of put it off to the, the wayside, and maybe about six or seven months later, something had happened, and there was a big, uh, you know, that whole company went under, and they went bankrupt, and everything fell, and, I, and it's like, you know, I was thinking, I didn't hear the devil tempting me anymore then, but I heard God saying, yeah, that could have been yours too. <laughs> you could have been a part of that, you know, and I thought, thank you, Lord, that I listened to you. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing that I've left that I regret leaving. I'm telling you, you know, uh, there is, I'm 62 years old now, 40 years in the ministry, and I look back at a lot of different things that I've, you know, made some decisions to step away from, and there's nothing that I've ever left or stepped away from that I think, oh, man, I can't believe I stepped away from that. I can't believe I left that, you know, or, Lord, you know, I gave that up for you, and, and you know, arguing with him, but no, I'm just so grateful of what he does, and every day is new, and he supplies our needs, and wow, what, what an, you know, what a peace of mind to serve God knowing that he takes care of you rather than, than you trying to take care of yourself. So it says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Come on, get your mind renewed. Don't let the world tell you how, you, how they think you should live. Let the word of God uh, reveal to you how you ought to live. And it says, then you will be, then you will be able then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Remember, he was saying up here that, that don't live foolishly, but understand what the, what the Lord's will is. And here Paul's telling us, here's how you understand what the Lord's will is, not only just his general will, but specific will for you is to give your life as a living sacrifice to God. Just give it all to him, every bit of it, and then he'll bless it. 
He'll bless it, whether it's in business or what. He'll he bless it where you can never bless it. My, my path was going into ministry. Your path might be going, you know, into, uh, into a certain business that God wants to bless and multiply or whatever, give you creative ideas and patents and whatever. I mean, I don't know, but that's what you need to know. And so as you do this, as you give him your, your, your life and your talent, your ability and all of your finances and everything as a living sacrifice, it's your spiritual act of worship, then he's, and you're not conforming to this world, but you're following the principles of God, he says, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you're in his will, it's good. How's things going? Man, they're going good. His good, his pleasing, his, 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 uh, and his perfect will. You know, it's pleasing to be able to be serving God and, uh, and for him to be blessing you and, and walking with him. And when the difficult times come, that you know that he's going to take care of you. Amen? That he's there to sustain you and, and to be with you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother is what the Bible says. He, the Bible says he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He's, he's an, an all Time God ever, he's always present wherever we are in our time of need. And it says in his perfect will, you know, nothing else in this life is perfect. But when we're following God and we're locked into him, then that's his perfect will. There's nothing else like it. We need to offer ourselves to God. I, I like that song that we were singing. You know, I'm yours. I'm yours. Mountains high, valleys low. It doesn't matter. You know, uh, Man, you guys, the coldest day of the year, of course, it's a new, we only have eight days in this year, but <laughs> the cold, <laughs> coldest day of the year, and you say, hey, man, forget it. I'm grabbing a coat and going to church. We don't even have heat in the building, you know? We didn't, we didn't have enough money in, the, in our building fund at the time, so we just put air conditioning in. But we know down here that we got about one day of winter and uh, 364 days of, of heat, right? <laughs> so we were being wise. <laughs> we, wanted to be, we, wanted to be, uh, we wanted to be prudent with what, what God gave us. But, you know, you, you put all those other things aside and said, I'm coming to church today. And you know what God says? Hey, that's great. I, I appreciate you doing that. When God's pleased, when he says, oh, man, look, what my, look at my children. Look what they're doing. They're putting me first. God's pleased. I challenge you to do that. I challenge you that every day of this year that you'll say, you know what, I'm going to live in complete victory. And if we're going to live in complete victory in 2017, that means that every day we've got to give ourselves to God, give it all to him, be a living sacrifice, and say, Lord, I need you in my life. I need you to direct me. You know, come and lead me. Guide me. Gabe, can you come and let's do that song um, that we were doing, you know, uh, His Love Came Down. And uh, we'll close out with that and we're going to pray. And I, I want this to be your, be your commitment to the Lord. His love came down. His love comes down every day in His mercy and His grace. It's abundant to us. He loves us more than we could ever know, more than we'll ever know. And he wants to bless us. And so he's going to provide opportunities in our pathway. And remember, we've got to know how to determine what's God's opportunity and what opportunities that the devil's making us seem, seemingly think that are opportunities. And his, the devil's opportunities always look, seem to be better and bigger and, and fancier and all this stuff, you know, and, and enticing. But we need to know what God is doing in our life. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
down just a little bit get our focus back just on the Lord and us and if the storms of life they come and the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands and praise I will weep Amen I'll remind myself of all that you've done And the life I have because of your son. Cause love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free and died in yours. I am forever yours. Mountain high or valley low. ourselves to you afresh and anew. Lord, we invite you into our life, 
meaning that every aspect of our life, as we make decisions, as we go through this life and help us to realize that it's not just Sunday when we need to think about you, but every day we invite you into our life, our situation, our circumstances, every part of us, so we can be very careful how we live not as unwise, but as wise, applying your principles to every aspect of our life, that we can make the most of every opportunity that you place before us, and realizing where Satan tries to pull us aside and ensnare us and steal from us, Lord, that we can live for you. The days that we're living in are, are evil. Satan's making his approach, and he's, he's setting things up. He... he wants to, uh, to uh, put your kingdom down, but Lord, we're, we want it to advance and we want to be part of that advancing. We don't want to be foolish, but we want to understand what your will is, Lord, and we want that every day in our life. And so we need to be able to do this every day, give ourselves to you. Lord, help us to be mindful that every day when we rise, that we give ourselves to you every night when we lay down, that we once again commit ourselves to you. And Lord, that we live our lives for you. We live our lives on purpose, Lord. And we live it uh, through the principles that you have in your word. And Lord, that we walk into victory. And Lord, victory comes uh, at the defeat of the enemy and the things that he throws into our pathway. But we are victorious. And we say, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We declare today, Father, that we have victory. We thank you for that. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let me ask you, is there somebody here today that you're not sure about eternity? You're not sure that if your life, if, if the number of your days were up today, would you spend it with the Lord in eternity? Do you know that for sure? If you're not sure, if you have some question marks there, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure today. I'm not sure that I'm a child of God. I'm not sure that I made that decision for eternity. If you're not sure, just raise your hand. Amen. Looks like all believers are here. Amen. Do you know somebody that's not saved? Somebody that needs the Lord? Just raise your hand up. Amen. Father, you see our hands. So we take this opportunity to pray and, and to bring this person or these people before you, before your throne, and we ask that you give us opportunities. Father, for, uh, to be a witness to them, that you would bring opportunities in their life for them to come to a saving knowledge of you. We know that that's your will. And Lord, so we want to be a part of that. And so help us to recognize any opportunities that we might have to help bring them to you. Lord, uh, bring people into our pathway. Give us divine moments right now, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. Have a great day. And uh, tell somebody that you, that you love them and you're glad to see them in church today. God bless you.